for September 17th, 2012. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 220. Higgledy Piggledy. Welcome to the Overthinking It podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. From the bleeding edge of the United States, uh, Los Angeles, California, the, the capital of all culture in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Matthew Rather, uh, the head of this seduction community of panelists. Uh, here we're starting tonight. We're, we're going to run some sets. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> My days as beta are over. <laughs> yes, welcome your alphahood with open arms, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't, just, beta, just, don't beta yourself. Listen to the Overthinking It podcast. Uh, we are going to overthink uh, Uatu the Watcher. We are over, going to overthink the new year, uh, and it is the year. Dave, what year is it? It is 5773. 5773. We're going to party like it's 5760. Right? And we are going to talk about the new season of television. But first, a word from our sponsor. The Overthinking It podcast is brought to you tonight... (laughs) By the overview. No, I'm actually, I'm actually, uh, don't laugh, Dave, because I'm actually pitching something that, that we oh, are sorry, selling sorry. on overthinkingit.com. This is deadly serious. This is a deadly serious sponsorship. I just, um, I laugh because these products bring such joy into my life. That is why I laugh. <laughs> we, I laugh uh, we have yeah. these uh, alternative commentaries. They're like uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, but not funny. <laughs> no, many of them are funny. So many of them like, are funny, like the but Joel years of Mr. they're Mr. also uh, they're also serious uh, in the sense that we watch the movies and say what we think about them, and we are quite serious about it. not not solemn. You know, we are not uptight about movies, but we're serious in the things that we think we think, and we record them as we watch the movies. And if you have a copy of one of the movies that we have done a commentary on, you can play our MP3 commentary alongside it and be edified and enjoy the experience of watching uh, your favorite films with your favorite people from the internet, the overthinkers. So the featured episode that we have right now at overthinkingit.com slash store is uh, The Dark Knight. Um, not The Dark Knight Rises, just The Dark Knight. And uh, it's a commentary on that uh, that, you can, that you can download for the low, low price of $1.99. And uh, and play that. But we also have uh, exciting uh, commentaries on Starship Troopers, Karate Kid, Ghostbusters 2, featuring Bear McCreary, uh, Independence Day, They Live, and Die Hard, which is a really fun one. Uh, die, die, but they're, they're all very fun. And if you want to know uh, if this sort of thing is for you, well, one of them is free. You can get the Twilight one for free, where, where we watch Twilight... And talk about it. And uh, of that one, one of the commenters on that post uh, where we announced it said that uh, she had listened to the commentary without even watching the movie and enjoyed it. I got I to say, I didn't participate in the Twilight overview, and I, 
that's a fun date night <laughs> is to like play the overview because you know she, you know she likes Twilight and you get to listen to you guys kind of tear it apart a little bit but also kind of like it a little bit it's, it's definitely a, a little for him a little for her are you speaking you are, follow, you speak, are you speaking nothing, from experience Pete or is yes it? yes definitely because I don't think that the the woman I saw it with even remembered anything that you guys said. Uh, I was totally focused on the movie, and I think that I didn't remember anything from the movie. and was totally focused on what you guys said. This, this does not portend anything about the imminent collapse of your relationship at all. That, that this was a long time together, ago. Yeah. But I, I'd, I'd like to point out. I'd like to point out that it's possible, actually, uh, to listen to the commentary with headphones, so that you know you don't have to bother your date with our voices. Uh, but you can enjoy them yourself. So it would be possible um, to have a great date where you not only don't have to talk uh, about the movie you're watching, but you can listen to us talk at you with the movie you're watching. Wow, this spot has gone to a very dark place. (laughs) You can lock yourself in a room. (laughs) And you can listen, both of you can listen to commentaries to different movies than you're not watching either of them. And then you can slide dinner under the table. What? (laughs) Nothing but a bottle of pop-off and a box of adult diapers. Live it. Live the alpha dream. Live the alpha dream at www.overthinkingit.com slash Store. All right, yeah. we are uh, we are on to um, we are on to the question of the week panel. Your question in honor of the latest entry in the Resident Evil franchise, which is I think uh, Resident Evil Apocalypse Ageddon. Or <laughs> no, that was the second one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it says Retribution. Oh, Retribution. I see. Yeah, uh, number one movie in America. Woo! <laughs> Awesome. We, we, all, we all watch those just to expand our vocabulary, right? It's like, oh, another noun's coming out. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was going to be the number one movie in America, but when they were about to post the results, they realized they left the door handle back at the office and had to start the whole movie over again, so, which is a Resident Evil joke that none of you are going to get because you play the Resident Evil video games, apparently. But there's like five listeners who are like, that's hilarious! Um, in honor of the release of this film, please pitch us a, a, a movie franchise based on combining an adjective and a noun that may or may not have anything to do with the movie franchise that you are pitching. First in the alphabet, drink. I know I am. It's Peter Fenzel. I. So yeah, just to run down the Resident Evil films, there's there's uh, five of the Mila Jovovich films, which are Resident Evil, Resident Evil Apocalypse, Resident Evil Extinction, Resident Evil Afterlife, Resident Evil Retribution, and then there's two more that were produced by Capcom, the, the uh, video game company that I believe are cartoons. Yes. Degeneration and Damnation, as well as the uh, film Biohazard 4D Executor. That's not a noun. <laughs> No, no, no. Multiple nouns. Exe- ex- executor? Is it about, like, pro- is it about probate? <laughs> I hope so. They were really hoping to make that a trilogy. There was going to be, like, legislator and judiciator. Dude, probate during the zombie apocalypse <laughs> is really complicated. <laughs> like, how do you settle in a state? Like, say that you didn't leave a will and you got turned into a zombie. Like, are you dead? Like, like what happens? Are, are you still married? Like, if you get married as a non-zombie and you become a zombie, are you effectively yeah. not married anymore? And that means that if you die as a zombie, that, that your, your uh, possessions will pass to your next of kin, but not to your spouse, because you know, the marriage... It, 
it's going to turn into some talk, talking point on the right too that they're going to get all sorts of tort reform passed by claiming that the the Dems want to get like undead taxes put on everyone. Very few things uh, work more against the sanctity of marriage than reanimating the corpses of the deceased. <laughs> Good. Mar- marriage, much like our very bodies, is under attack. Exactly. Google uh, Google zombie Ron Paul. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is that a real thing? That's something. No, can- I don't think so. Don't don't Google that. Okay. So anyway, here here it is. Here it is. Okay. Uh, true terror is not in the face that you see in the darkness, but the face you see in the mirror. And the face you rely on to help you through all of your days and nights. The face that you look to to present to the world. What if that face were the face of a changeling? That's right. I'm talking about the new hit series of films, Adjunct Similar. Uh, <laughs> stay with me. I know this rather arbitrary combination of a noun that refers to like a legal status, like a resident, an adjunct, like an assistant of some kind, and then an adjective similar, which is kind of vague and not particularly uh, pertinent to making a movie about creepy changelings. But the thing that this does is it makes it vague enough to take it into the present day. I'm picturing a high-powered executive who has a, a simulacrum or clone of himself that hangs out with his own body, that he has run errands for him and do go to meetings that he can't go to, but that turns evil, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I actually, I, I know an elaborate pun joke that has exactly that setup. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you wanted to let on us? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to shorten it down I, from I'm the, the char- norm. Char- char- <laughs> I'm going to Charles Barkley you and say, shut up and jam. So let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, wait, dude, you actually want to hear the uh, the, the, the terrible I, pun joke? Look, Charles Barkley just swatted that ball right out of the court. I don't know if you're uh, – are you are you going to go up to the backboard with it? Are you going to boom shock a lock me? Come on, hit me, baby. What's this joke? Is it worth okay. it? <laughs> this is a Norm Schechner original. Okay, this, this okay. Comes from, this comes from Jan Normus himself. Okay. Uh, which is, yeah, basically like picture Pete's set up and then – but the guy is supposed to go on like speaking tours and his zombie clone like is going on these tours and he's just being like – just, just really offensive. He's just swearing and, and cussing and so forth. And so the guy like tries to reason with them. They they have like dinner together, you know, in like a, a Skywalk restaurant at the top of the skyscraper. And he's trying to like reason with them, but everything you know turns to, to garbage pretty quickly. And they end up in a physical altercation. And eventually, um, you know, he ends up throwing his zombie out of the window of this this skylight apartment uh, to the zombie's death. And it just sort of smashes on the ground. And so, but the cops have no idea what to do because, like, you know, this guy's a, he's a clone zombie of the original guy. So, like, did he commit murder? Did he commit uh, suicide? Like, he couldn't have committed murder because there's no, he killed himself, but he can't have killed himself because he's still alive. So, uh, they just got him for making an obscene clone fall. What? Making an obscene clone fall. Oh! <laughs> there we go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hold on, let me tell it again. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. Uh, I don't the long version. <laughs> I just, just can the yeah. clone fall. That's Maxine. great. That's, that's great. great. Wow. The style. oyster you shuck between fits. The prostitute. <laughs> Moving right along. David Schechner. But I was going to tell you about adjunct oh, similar no. refraction <laughs> and adjunct similar triplication, the exciting sequel, and adjunct similar mimeographication. Uh, anyway, Dave, uh, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, no, Dave, Dave Schechner. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I didn't have anything nearly as elaborate. I was just going to go with um, Overthunk Podcast Rumination. 
And uh, you're listening to it now. Uh, <laughs> what you can't uh, tell listening to this podcast is that I've trapped Matt and Pete in a uh, basement with an elaborate series of, um, of feats that they have to perform that will test their moral fiber uh, if they want to live. Um, though I've never seen the Saw films. I'm told that's kind of how it works, uh, but I'm not that creative. So I basically just have them set up with a game of Monopoly. Uh, whoever wins gets to live. Right, right, but yeah, but of course, like so many like pressing life or death considerations, as the thoroughly bourgeois individuals we are, we've just basically decided to talk about pop culture instead of paying attention to them. Yeah, that's pretty much so. Yeah, I know things seem urgent, but come on, help me, help me. Dave (laughs) Schechner has made me sit on a giant double-edged razor so that I am actually on the bleeding edge of America. Oh, that would have been so much better. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to go get a giant double-edged razor. You're not getting a redo of this podcast, Dave. Amazon. I know you got to. <laughs> All right, I considered many. Uh, I considered many titles for my franchise, including actuarial carnage. Um, <laughs> but I, I, that's, that's I know I don't think you're getting it, guys. I uh, seriously, I don't think you're getting it. The noun is the first word. It's not the second word. Resident Evil doesn't mean that, right? Isn't it? Isn't Resident Evil like an evil resident rather than like? Um, the evil that lives wow. there. So wait, oh. so did, they, did they swap the order in in like Spanish speaking countries too? Oh, Just maybe. To oh, that's a good question. Well, cause, I mean, I guess in English word order it's kind of ambiguous. But I always, I mean, I always thought that they're supposed to, it's supposed to feel a little uncomfortable because the resident. The reason it's it's a resident evil. Oh, I guess like like uh, so the plural would be resident evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well cuz it's about <laughs> it's about people who live in a house who turn into zombies and then people who live in a town who turn into zombies. Although I guess it's also the evil that lives inside you, it's right? A, it's sort of turn into it's zombies. exurbs evil is what it is. Oh, okay, um, okay. But I so but I I am not um going with that. I am actually going with a franchise that follows a uh, a newly minted doctoral uh, uh achiever. What do you call that? You know, a, a newly minted PhD who um unemployed. Tr- <laughs> No, no, no. This one is employed at five different community colleges within a three-hour drive of a major metropolitan area. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, this summer, prepare to be educated by itinerant pedantry. (laughs) Obliviation. (laughs) Itinerant pedantry. Romanticism. Ooh, <laughs> Itin- I like that. I- yeah, itinerant pedid- pedantry, early modern devotional poetry. <laughs> 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 Who would be your action hero for that? Would it, is it going to like? Is it going to be like Mila Jovich, where they just pick someone that they know is going to be attractive for like a hundred years because her now, bone structure that, is so pronounced? Right now that Howard um. Zinn is dead, you're going to do for an action hero? <laughs> Howard Zinn died. Yeah, guys, I got to go. <laughs> 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 not in a mainstream capitalist way. No. Uh, gotcha. Are you sure that's not just the story that the historians want you to think? Exactly. I'm positive it is. Right, right, right. Fair enough, fair enough. So uh, before, we conti- before we continue on to the things that we have on the itinerary tonight, I want to do a little follow-up from our podcast two weeks ago, um, which uh, when Pete uh, challenged our listeners to, in the comments, describe for me who Uatu the Watcher <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I felt inadequate to the task myself, right? Because there's like a lot going on with that guy. <laughs> Was and I, yeah. I, I want to highlight. Um, I want to highlight one uh, one of the responses uh, that came 
that came from there, which was that Uatu the Watcher is uh, to the Marvel Comics universe as the voice of Ron Cow- Howard is to the Arrested Development uh, universe. I like that. I like that. But Owatu has the balls to go out in public without wearing a baseball hat. <laughs> that was uh, that was Hasbaz. Um, mm. But I don't think. I mean, it's like I don't think that you're actually supposed to be reading all of the Marvel comics through the point of view of Uatu watching everything, right? Like maybe some of certainly some of them. Like there are a lot of them. Well, not a lot, but there's there's some that he frames as as stories that he's telling. But that would be kind of interesting if all of the stories that we know in the Marvel comics universe have like a different version that was chronicled by Uatu the Watcher, like specifically. Um, he's, certainly, he's like sort of omnipresent while being like, is there a word? Is there a, word, a prefix like omni that means none at all? Nihil? N- like, yeah. uh, nil, nil present? Nil present? Like, he's sort of like nil involved. <laughs> isn't, isn't the word you're interested. looking for is absent, Pete? I, yeah, but I was yeah. going to apply it to a different verb. But never De- mind. Well, um, in, in theology, it's called deism, right? The watchmaker god. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but he didn't create it. He just watches. He just chronicles. And he, like, has a perspective on things like Ron Howard, and he's kind of hangs over things and is very powerful. Um, you get the sense. Well, he, but he, he, he more than just watches, right? Like, he's the, um, he's the narrator for the What If series, which means he not only watches what is the like, accepted canon universe that you see in Marvel form, but, like, all of the other potential universes that in sort of, like, a multi-universe quantum interpretation of the world would exist where certain variables, you know, flip to their, their opposite extreme. I'm pretty right? sure that What If series is not canon, Dave. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. exactly. They're, 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 they're Quaker canon, is what they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The other uh, great response that I got was uh, from Zach Johnson from Kingdom of Loathing, who wrote me an email and Ooh. said uh, he said um, that uh, he has a uh, a demon, a um, a program running on the. Uh, uh, running on the servers that uh, run Kingdom of Loathing and his company's other uh, activities, uh, that monitors the status of the um, uh, you know of the system and sends an IRC message uh, to the chat room every morning, and it is called uh, Uatu the Watcher. So I've learned that uh, that that not only the Marvel Comics universe, but also the Kingdom of Loathing universe, uh, is mo- is monitored, is watched over by Uatu the Watcher, and that he com- communicates through internet relay chat. <laughs> so is this make it like Saint Elsewhere with the snow globe, where Kingdom of Loathing and Marvel Comics actually exist in the same continuity because Uatu like monitors the different dimensions? Yes, probably. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the uh, only possible interpretation. What is that called? The we- the Westfall <laughs> hypothesis, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, that's uh, so. That is oh, that is man. our follow up. Consider Westfall me. Westfall hypothesis is a much better answer to the opening question than than what I gave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that that is our follow up, um, Dave. Why is this year different from all other years? <laughs> uh, this year, I'm paying attention to my spawn. <laughs> wait, wait, just me personally, or for the yeah. whole? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So wait, I just want to. I want to send a, a quick shout out to all my Hebrews and Shebrews out there. You know, happy happy fifty seven seventy two. You know, next year in Yerushalayim. Except actually, it's a pretty dangerous and hot place. So maybe next year in Tampa. <laughs> um, Certainly not this year in Tampa. Um, now we, we can all go visit our boobies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it is the uh, it is the Hebrew holiday of Rosh Hashanah, or as my mom calls it, Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> one, one word sounds like a Native American. Um, 
Yeah, it is the end of the uh, end of the Jewish year, which occurs eight days before the beginning of the Jewish year. That's right. Every year we have an eight-day liminal period that exists outside of time. You try and touch us, Buddhism. Just try. <laughs> what you got? For what? For, for try and touch us for mysticism and uh, you know. yeah, exactly. Like we don't even have to try and subst- uh, transubstantiate. It's already done for us. We right. just wander into a negazone by continuing to live through the high holy days. Are there any rituals for uh, Rosh Hashanah or any of the other holy days that are coming up that we can co-opt and kind of use for our own purposes here on the Overthinking It podcast? <laughs> Actually, yeah. So wait, so this this whole period. Is, yes, I is mean a- because you know what this world needs is more religious strife right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things are too calm on the whole religion front, especially regarding Middle Eastern faiths. So, so uh-huh. goodness knows, let's wade into the fray, right? Well, you know, okay. So the the uh, obedient Jews, what they're supposed to do during this eight-day period is to sort of like look inward and reflect upon uh, how they've lived their lives the previous year um, and sort of like, you know, think about uh, the ills that they've done to other people and how they can be better human beings and uh, how they can sort of correct for the mistakes that they've done. So so it, it is in itself actually already kind of overthinking, uh, just like really sort of self-involved uh, narcissistic overthinking, which is the only way that I do it. That's the way I roll. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> huh. Yeah, because the ancient holiday of my people that's crossed over is when we carve the pumpkins. Um, <laughs> give out Snickers bars to kids. Wait, you so, carve pumpkins during Baconalia? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, in St. Patrick's Day and whatnot. Samhain, people's Samhain or Samhain or whatever the heck. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I guess we could... I mean, uh, we could look backward or we could look forward. We could do one or the other, right? We you know like, what? Let, let's do this because, you know, every, every fall we look forward um, to, to a new ritual, a kind of rebirth, a kind of, uh, you know, a kind of uh, spring in the fall, a kind of renewal of <laughs> serialized entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking of the new television season. <laughs> and though, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of the year-round introduction of new shows has, has kind of made the, the fall season irrelevant or made it a lot less prominent than it used to be, there still are a bunch of uh, television shows launching in fall 2012, aren't there? Um, That's what we hear, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and because there are few segues as tortured as the one that I just made, um, let's let's push it <laughs> let's push it to the wall. Um, we'd like to uh, we'd like to take this opportunity to look a little bit at some of the shows that will be premiering in the fall of of this fine year of 2012. Or if you're Dave Fitty, what Fitty Seven. 5772. 72. It's about to be 5773. Actually, I guess in eight days it'll be 5773. Um, so, so there, there you go. So, enjoy, uh, enjoy that factoid at your next party. <laughs> <laughs> we'd like to, uh, we'd like to talk a little bit about the shows that will will premiere. And of course, not having seen any of them, they're perfect fodder for the Overthinking It podcast because. <laughs> That's how we. That's how we roll. So, in order to kind of set our table conceptually uh, a little bit, I'd like to turn to an article from IO9, uh, which will be in the show notes, uh, which is called "How to Tell from a Pilot if a TV Show Is Going to Be Any Good," and it's by Charlie Jane Anders, and it was published on August twenty second, and it um, 
it got uh, it 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 caught my it caught my eye because I thought a lot of the questions uh, that it raised were were sort of interesting. So here are some of the, the here are the questions here are the set yeah, of let, questions. Let, let's enumerate the things that that yes. he goes into in the article. Th- that uh, that um, right. <laughs> if they wrote themselves into a hole, Dianu. <laughs> if the characters were not likable, Dianu. If the thing of the week were boring, Dianu. If the setting were not cool, Dianu. Uh, no. Uh, so here, here are the questions uh, that io9 raises, that Charlie Jane Anders raises uh, in this article. Um, does the pilot write itself into a hole? We can elaborate on all of these later. How likable are these characters? How boring is the thing of the week going to be? Is the setting cool? Is it a fun movie with a terrible denouement? How interesting is the mythos? Is there badassery with the promise of more? Are you emotionally connecting with these people? Right? And so let's go. Let's go. This also this does kind of take the form of one of those Cosmo quizzes to tell if you and this guy are compatible. Right, right. absolutely. Right, yeah. And you, so like, uh, is, the, you know, is there badassery with the promise of more? <laughs> Just add, add in bed to the end of all of these questions and it becomes a Cosmo quiz. You know, is it a fun movie with a terrible denouement? In bed. How interesting <laughs> is the mythos? In bed. in bed. Do they write themselves into a hole in bed? In bed. Oh, How boring yeah. is the thing of the week going to be? In bed. Um, well, Shall we? Shall we try to start applying them? Is that what we were going well, to try yeah, to do? I, I mean, I, I guess so. What, uh, let's. I mean, because why? Why talk about a specific thing when we can, you know, ruminate on uh, abstractions instead? So let's let's consider these. I mean, what 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 do you think that this um, this yields as a uh, you know as a rubric for grading? Grading pilots is this a good? Do you think this is a good rubric or a useful, uh, a useful rubric? Uh, well, I mean, I guess the first distinction to make is, you know, to make sure that we know that whether or not the TV show that falls from the pilot has potential doesn't necessarily mean it's going to continue, right? Like we we can't equate the success of the TV show in expanding from where its pilot is. A kind of as story-wise, with its success expanding from it, sort of commercially. So that's sort of sim. I can see why having characters that people connect with a lot is really important for the business of a television show. Since what you're trying to do with a television show is establish a habit, right? So people will watch your show every week. Um, but they're not exactly the same, uh, right? So, uh, so that's something. That to is, consider. So, so you're you're distinguishing between a good television show, one that we would sort of admire the craftsmanship of. Right and, or and a successful television show, one that runs a lot of years, sells a lot of ads, and makes a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, I would even say like a show that we are excited to see more of versus a show that they let us see more of. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, that well, sort of thing. Well, yeah. I think they are saying when they say, "Oh, is the is the thing of the week? Is it go- how boring is it going to be?" I mean, that already concedes that uh, a, a, a commonness about these television shows that we're talking about, right? Like that there's going to be a thing of the week. Right, that we're not looking to sort of transcend that general rhythm yeah. of television watching. And, which and is the, same old, yeah. the same old truth holds true for badassery, right? I mean, there are yeah, plenty yeah. of television shows throughout history that didn't involve any badassery, but. Yeah, like, like the yeah. first two seasons of Breaking Bad have very little badassery in them. And then. And it's Breaking Bad, not Breaking Badass. Yeah, exactly. That would, that would probably be different. Right. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, Breaking Bad wasn't has never been tremendously popular. I mean, only recently has its audience picked up a little bit. And if it were on a network, it would have been canceled. So what are you going to do? Um, I mean, they would never have been able to do it, first of all. But. When, when, I was, when I was in the UK this summer, a lot of people stopped me and said, uh, we really love Breaking Bad, or when we talked about American television, or we really love Breaking Bad. And I had to explain that it was a show that did not have a mass audience. You know, it didn't have the audience that, like, what, two and a half men, you know, has. Right, right, right. And, uh-huh. and, and it was such, they were like, oh, it's such a phenomenon over here. Everyone, everyone loves it. It's got to be the most popular American television show ever. And, and I had to explain sort of sadly and kind of apologetically for my nation that, in fact, no, you know, this is Wait, not were, the case. Matt, Matt, were people just stopping you randomly because, because you were American and they assumed that you were somehow involved in its production? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they, they assumed that I lived at the bleeding edge of America. And worked, yeah, sure. Worked in the entertainment industry. And you know, not as a not as a character who uh, is the right the um, the generic version of a Disney prince who goes to children's birthday parties, but but as an but as an actual uh, as a, you know as an actual character. Right, right, right. I mean, I, I will, I, I'm going to cite just stepping back for a second. I'm going to cite an article from Slate in July of this year, which cited that. Uh, uh, in its initial airing on FX in the UK, Breaking Bad had consolidated ratings of about 120,000 viewers. So the UK is, in fact, not all watching Breaking Bad. Oh. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe people their have press, this- maybe their television press, yeah. like our television press, is yeah, yeah, all, yeah. You know. like a darling for that show. And maybe it's like a select subset of the population that really likes yeah. it. That happens to be the subset that you happen to come in contact. I with. guess if you listen to television pr- criticism, the two uh, most popular shows in America would be Breaking Bad and Lena Dunham's Girls, right? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> where, do, where does Here Comes Honey Boo Boo go? <laughs> fit on this pantheon? <laughs> and uh, right, so. Um, yeah, it ain't necessarily so, uh, I guess. So, okay, so the shows that, that we want to see more of are not necessarily the shows that we're going to see more of. And actually, I, I, I want to problematize even this question of like wanting to see more of a show. Because very often I want to see more of a show that I'm kind of disappointed in. And I want to see more of it mm. because I think it might straighten itself out you know, at some point in the future. And I'm thinking now specifically of Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, where there were so many good, uh, there were so many good kind of moments in that show, but a lot of it was spent, I think, treading water in a way that turned out to not really move it, move it forward or be very entertaining or anything. Right. right, right, right. So it's like, so, so there's a bunch of reasons why you would want to see more of a television show because maybe you think it's good, maybe it fills a niche for the kind of entertainment that you want, or maybe because you're pulling for it, right, and you want it to be better. Yeah, um, it's sort of like, like the reason why people get involved in like the Big Brothers Big Sisters uh, Institute, you know. Yeah, it's like, exactly. Like, you might not actually enjoy the time spent, but you feel fulfilled in that you've tried to help out society by, by fostering this little show that doesn't have a lot going for it, but you feel like it could be great if just given the right environment and you know, right, maybe if you right. got it off drugs. <laughs> um, sorry. Followed by long pause. <laughs> long well, pause. Do we want to start pause. talking about this in terms of the shows that are coming out next year? And I, this soon? Let, let's do it. Well, first of all, Matt, do you have any uh, other criteria that you would add to this list? Yeah, you know, I'm not, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. This is, what comes to mind from this, 
the other rubric that comes to mind um, that I think this is echoing, though it's a little more specific, is what Aristotle said in the Poetics about a work of dramatic art, uh, that the two things, the sort of two things, right, that are uh, important about tragedy are mythos and ethos, right? And mythos corresponding roughly to sort of plot or story or sort of uh, like pattern of, of incident, right? And ethos uh, being a word that means character, but not character in the sense of like dramatis personae, not character in the sense of the, the, the characters, the roles um, that you imagine like actors or masks, right? Like play in a Greek tragedy, but character in the sense of um, mood, right? Or yeah. or you know overall impression or feeling, right? So in in the way you would describe like the character of a wine. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And so this is, I think, a bizarre distinction, right? But uh, this is a bizarre – to say that the the sort of two things that make up a tragedy are plot and mood, right? That's like saying the two things that make up a human are like, uh, you know, I don't know, brain and need to poop, <laughs> right, it's the, because these things. What a, you know, neither of these things is really like the other. They kind of exist at sort of different levels of abstraction, and so. But um, but this seems to get at that with uh, with like, what do you imagine is going to happen in the show, and what do you imagine the sort of tone, right, of the show will be? What 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 will the feeling of hanging out in this universe? Uh, B. The, um, I, li- I like that in that you can kind of subsume most of the common missteps that a show will make or a movie will make um, into being violations of one of those two things, right? Yeah. Like you know, you can you can uh, you can sort of like violate the audience's suspension of disbelief, or and or you can just sort of violate the sort of mood that you've established for the thing and, and take a, a wild ride. And sometimes you know as there are always exceptions to these rules, like sometimes that violation of either one can be like one of the glorious moments in that show. But most of the times, you know, it ends up failing. I'm thinking of like, um, like the, the musical episode of Buffy, the vampire slayer, which is like a just flagrant violation of the mood of the show, but done in a way that sort of nod, it nods its head to that violation in a way that, that sort of brings the audience into it. Uh, but, but other examples are, are few and far in between, I think. Uh, there was, I actually saw one of these recently. Um, there is because uh, I'm, I'm working on a Twilight Zone related project, uh, sort of developing a comedy show around the, nice. the Twilight Zone TV show. Shelley's involved in it, and as is uh, Cognac. I'm pretty excited. And uh, but we were watching all Twilight Zone episodes, and we watched Twilight Zone episode that starred Buster Keaton. Um, and the the gist of it oh, was yeah, yeah, he, sure, yeah, yeah. He's, and, um, he's, um, he's got he's got like a speaking part, right? He's an older guy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, okay. I mean, maybe he's in more than one. I don't know, but uh, in this one, he was from the 1890s, and he was a yeah. silent. It was which was filmed like a silent movie, and he was so bothered by all the things around him that he got a time helmet and traveled to the 60s, right? Which was the the time that the Twilight Zone episode was being made, and then uh, and where it was a talkie, right? Where people were talking, and where it was very strange for him, and then he eventually went back. Uh, and this episode was called Once Upon a Time. 
It was made in 1961. And, and like, it is a Twilight Zone show in, in episode in the sense of, like, yes, they throw in kind of a mad scientist who has this hubris and gets his comeuppance about his, like, mistaken I- ideas about the past and about, like, history and stuff. And that happens. But it's, like, really tacked on to a long stretch of Buster Keaton physical bits. Right? Like, uh, and, like, old Buster Keaton, too. Like, he's, you know, he's, he's not quite got the spring in his step. And you get the sense there's a lot of classics that are being thrown in. Um, so it's like, uh, yeah, we're still doing what we're going to do, but like, you know, the, the character, as rather would describe it, is present and being sort of paid tribute to. You couldn't do it in the first season. You can only do it after the show's been on for a long time, right? Well, this one was the third yeah, season, yeah. right? It was the third season episode. You only you have to establish what you're doing before you can take these like vast departures in tone, which is, I think, one of the reasons why uh, I have a rule sometimes that like, although this rule actually doesn't apply at all, it doesn't really work to some of the best ones ever, but like. You can measure the quality, and I think Star Trek uh, is one of the ones that doesn't do this, but it's like one way to measure a science fiction television show is how long you have to wait before they do the episode where they go to Earth. Right, like if it's like a space show and like they're in some sort of faraway space thing and they never have to come to Earth, like how long do you have to wait before they run out of ideas and like time travel to the forties? You know, like uh, um, and because every show seems to want to do it eventually, right? It's like, oh look, look what's happening. Uh, there's the like um, the Deep Space Nine episode where he's the science fiction writer at the magazine, right? Like where it's like, oh, we're on Earth and back in the time, and we're not in space anymore. We're wearing crazy '40s outfits. Isn't this droll? You know, like I mean, it's a good episode, and I guess well, it isn't really a good measure of quality because of some exceptions, but. Yep. And fam- famously, there's the time that uh, Will Shatner got to like make out with Joan Collins. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> right, right. <Yeah. laughs> The, the can- Thank you, pop culture, for producing that moment for us. Yeah. For us all. I'm, I mean, I guess you can't really measure when the show does it as well, but because thinking about it, some some great shows do it very quickly, some other shows do it very poorly. But you can measure. I think you measure the quality of a sci-fi show by how good its episode is, where they go to Earth, like where they go to our Earth, because um, it sort of is like how much can they hold, how much of their tone persists when they're no longer flying around in the crazy spaceship. Right, like, or how much of the show is just laser cannons? You know what I mean? I guess you don't necessarily mean Earth uh, as much as you do mean like leave the their sort of existing diegetic universe and enter into ours. I mean, like visit planet Earth, <laughs> but not not every sci-fi show takes place zooming around in space. There are a bunch that take you know have, have deep involvement with Earth. A bunch? Oh well, yeah, but I mean, are, are there a bunch? I guess there's I the one where they travel back in time to hang out with dinosaurs on Earth. I mean, obviously, this means Quantum Leap does it every episode. So, obviously, there was yeah, the... Yeah. What I'm really talking about is, like, space jockey sci-fi shows, which are they don't always all fly around in spaceships. Sometimes they're time-traveling. Sometimes they're doing dimensional... Like, Sliders, right? Yeah, so, like, yeah. what's the Sliders episode where they just go to normal Earth, right? Like, and, like, they yeah. deal with things that we deal with. What's that like, where there isn't something crazy, right? Um, the episode of Lex, where they go... The episodes of Lex, where they go to Earth, are terrible. Um, the Canadian show... <laughs> As opposed to the other episodes of Lex. Well, that's well, that's it's, it's telling, right? It's like okay, the thing all right. Wrong with the Earth episodes of Lex, or wrong with the other episodes of Lex. The thing that's cool about Lex is the setting and and the and like the yeah. sort of the feeling of its setting, as distinct from the character and tone of the storytelling. Um, and 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 so like it's sort of world building is very distinct. But once you are like okay, and the president is dressed up as Castro and is nuking Orlando, like in order to to cover up a mistake, right? Like. Um, 
okay, like this show is bonkers, and you see how bonkers it is, right? Like uh, if you didn't figure it out before. Anyway, I don't know, but I'm inclined to say that you know the opposite is really true for uh, for Doctor Who, right? Like the best Doctor Who episodes are the ones where they hang out on Earth. Well, that's why uh, I mean, that, like that's a mark that Doctor Who's a really great show because you yeah. can take away the exoticness of the interstellar and interdimensional, intertimular, whatever. Or temporal, yeah. yeah. Tem- what is it? Timely Wibbly Woobly Woobly? What does it say? Timey Wimey. Uh, Timey Wimey Wiggly Jiggly, I think, is the. Uh, it it sounds off no... in the comments. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Timely Puffly Jiggly Puffly. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, did we totally lose you, Matt? Are you still with us? Jiggly Puffly. <laughs> you... <laughs> yeah. He, he's just been inhaling this whole time to let out an enormous nerds at the end. Have you see, have you ever heard of uh, the double dactyl? Yeah, sure. The hey, double- you you were the one who introduced me to this. Oh, Go did for I really? Uh, uh, double, I love these, yeah. The double dactyl is a poetic form that. Um, so the dactyl is a is a stressed followed by two unstressed syllables. It's a poetic foot that is da da da, right? Yeah, and so. Yeah, finger because the the biggest knuckle is the first one right but, yeah, yeah exactly so it's uh right the, yeah the greek word for finger so like long short short but we don't have long and short vowels in english so we we use stressed and unstressed syllables to kind of approximate what um you know classical prosodists uh, uh called long and short so uh da 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 like, right, for instance, yeah. the phrase classical prosodists. <laughs> prosodists. Classical Pros- prosodists. Whatever. Yeah. whatever. Classical prosody. Um, so uh, the double dactyl is a this, – this, uh, this is a long way around the barn for, uh, for a, a joke that's not going to pay off uh, very well. I'm just warning you in Thanks advance. Thanks for letting us know in advance. <laughs> you guys can keep listening if you want. Commence with the <laughs> media <laughs> browsing now. <laughs> Hit about the two-button skip. Uh, Two-minute. Two, two skip on your uh on your podcatcher yeah um and uh so this uh th- this is a um uh poetic form the double dactyl invented by john hollander and anthony hecht two old old guy poets though they were less old uh when they invented it and it has rules it's eight lines long in two stanzas of four lines each um the the lines are all uh uh, are two dactyls long, so they're all six syllables uh, in the rhythm. Da 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 da. The first, the first, um, uh, the first line is nonsense words. The second line is always a proper name, and somewhere in the ultimate stanza, there is a six-syllable uh, word, a diadactylikos in Greek. Uh, which, by the way, is self-descriptive because yeah. diadactylikos uh, is um, is in fact a diadactylikos, and uh, so and, and was your professional wrestling name too? Yes, right? absolutely. Uh, so I'm just saying, uh, jiggly, uh, jiggly puffery <laughs> could be the start. Could be the start of a, Go of a double dactyl. Um, so, um, well, and, and the fourth and eighth, uh, lines have to rhyme with one another, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so, okay. So here, here's one that I, I happen to have committed to memory, which is, uh, higgledy piggledy, John Simon Guggenheim honored, whatever the muses collect, save in those subjects like mine, which have suffered his unjustifiable shocking neglect. 
And the last and unjustified, yeah, okay. yeah, and unjustifiable is the is the double higgledy piggledy John Simon Guggenheim and uh, unjustifiable, and yeah, and so you you pull up short the last line of each stanza, da 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 da. da. Anyway, so you know, jiggery puffer, uh, jiggery puffery, um, uh, Peter Offenzela. <laughs> 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 your, your offensive 1930s Italian uh, urban stereotype version. Yeah, it de- yeah it depends how it's how. Beetle Fenzola, you make it a spicy meatball. Beetle, spicy meatball. Let's go play at the stickball down by the alleyway. Um, yeah, I I tried to write one once where the yeast Nerospora crassa was uh, the nonsense word, the proper name, and the six syllable word. And um, all, all that I really accomplished was demonstrating my complete lack of skill with poetry. Uh, no, you got mad flow. You got mad flow, Schechner. Damn. I, I flow like a stuck drain, baby. They call me Drano. Anyway. So what, it would be like... Um, so, oh. Yeah? No, what so were you about be to like, say? Oh, I was going to say, like, what, jiggly, puffily, like, misty, cerulean, you know, <laughs> what is it, watery gym leader, um, own, own, you know, owner of badgery. Right, uh, like challenge of ashery, um, uh, in- inconsequentially <laughs> uh, trained, evolved her star me into a star Huey. <laughs> I'm like trying to keep the Pokemon thing going, as it were. Uh, it's hard to it's so, hard yeah. to freestyle. I mean, the great thing about yeah. freestyling is that you get to kind of create the poetic form as you go. It's hard to to freestyle in. Um, you know, in uh, poetic forms, though, though yeah. I did it. If if I may toot my horn, uh, I did it once in an improv show where I got in one of the uh, you know in a genre game. I got Shakespearean sonnet as the genre and extemporized a Shakespearean sonnet. Not a good Shakespearean sonnet, but a technically correct Shakespearean right. sonnet. <laughs> uh, on the spot, as I, I think it was a weather report. I think we were supposed to be giving the weather you know, from different locations, and I did it. Uh, I did it in a Shakespearean sonnet, but um, that's the only time in my life I've I've been able to do that. And you know, I don't know. I'd had one or two. I'd lifted a glass or two at that point, so I was loose. Is my point? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your strong point is improvising uh, Petrarchan sonnets, right? Absolutely, or Spenserian sonnets. Well, know? yeah. Um, so, uh, all right, guys, 666 Park Avenue on ABC. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, leave, let's use our room. Yeah. Higgledy, Piggledy, Park, yeah. Park Avenue. Right? So, wait, so who's in it, right? It's, uh, um, so it's like Higgledy, Piggledy, Dave, and Bali, uh, <laughs> Rachel Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> so this, this is basically de- so to not do a double dactyl about 666. <laughs> right, absolutely. Yeah. Eeriness, ruthlessness. This S- is supposed spookity, to be. Spookity, spookity, Terry O'Quinn yeah. from Lost. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. There it is. Um, um man. from getting work. Not here. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Way to stay employed, Terry O'Quinn. <laughs> Classically trained stage actor who will forever just be known as that guy from Lost. Well done. I feel. Well, I, I feel that way. Welcome to the Alec Guinness Club, sir. I feel that way about the villain from um, from Avatar, right? Who uh, whose name, of course, I forget. 
at the at the time uh, well, at the, the moment. The drill sergeant guy. Yeah, the drill sergeant guy from Avatar. <laughs> is you, mean, like, you mean James Cameron? Is that who you mean as the villain from Avatar? <laughs> he is a serious uh, stage actor who has done a lot of like Sam Shepard stuff and a lot of anyway. Um, and just happens to look like a drill sergeant, so that's how you can sell him as a movie actor. Well, well this was, Alec Guinness is probably like my favorite example of this, right? I mean, like you could not have you know a more decorated stage actor, like classically trained, just incredible performer, who had to spend you know his twilight years being accosted by total strangers on the street, you know, sixty years his younger, going, "Use the force, Luke." Anyway, are we still talking about six 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 Park Avenue? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're talking about Stephen Lang. That's his. Uh, that's his name. I just wanna... maybe he'll make an appearance on six 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 Park Avenue. Oh, perhaps, maybe, perhaps. Maybe that'll happen. I hope so. I hope he stays employed. Yeah, gonna... Is it bad that I just that just makes me think of the MCP Pants episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force? Say where they go to six one two. Was it Mark? Av- was it? Um, I forget which avenue they go to to bring the candy to rot so that he can digest it and make a. Drill the hole to hell to release the demons. <laughs> oh man, that's the kind of TV I like. <laughs> oh man, you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? Never mind. <laughs> are, we, are we still talking about Six 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 Park Avenue? Look, none of us are going to watch this show. Okay, <laughs> none of us want to watch this stupid show. Let's, let's make a blood oath right now to always watch every episode of Six Six Six. Participate in all. No, I refuse. I refuse. We are not going to watch 666 Park Avenue. I don't care if it's Models, Inc. meets Are You Afraid of the Dark. Doesn't matter. We're not watching it. Stephen Lang was Colonel Jessup in the the Broadway production of A Few Good Men. Pre pre the movie. Oh, he's perfect. (laughs) Wait, is he in this show? Is that why we're talking about him? No, I'm just just thinking of, you know, classically trained uh, stage actors who, you know... Um, Animal practice on NBC <laughs> premieres on Wednesdays. We'll, we'll put this link in the show notes. We Googled and found a TVGuy.com link that is a list of upcoming TV shows. And kind of as an homage to our annual summer movie episodes that I, I think we never actually finished this summer, right? Like uh, We're pretty close to the end of summer of 2008, I think. <laughs> um. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Uh, animal practice. Justin Hurley. Animal practice, starring that guy who's the brother from Weeds. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's as much as I got. You take it, Pete. No, me take it. I gotta look something up quickly. I gotta look something up in just a quick second. Oh darn it! Doctor Doolittle's first name is John. That's not gonna work at all. <laughs> uh, maybe it's John. Uh, Johan von Johan von Doolittle. <laughs> yeah, there it is. And yeah, and, and, he anglicized it after the war. <laughs> Higgledy piggledy, Johan von Doolittle. <laughs> so this is basically house with a monkey, right? Is what it is. Yeah, so they like, replaced Wilson with a with a capuchin. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like the TV guy describes him as a house like irascible veterinarian. <laughs> <laughs> Who has Crystal the Monkey from Hangover Part 2 and Community in it with him. Wait, is it the very same monkey? Yeah, Crystal the Monkey. That's the name of a monkey. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. 
Uh, this is this is a comedy gold. This will be legendary. This will, there's no way this will be forgettable or will disappear quickly. Uh, you know, although I don't work with animals or children, is that a rule that actors still follow, Matt? That what uh, animals are animals or children? I yeah, think I think I think these days actors take whatever work you know gives the paycheck. I think you don't even have to. I you know I think you can pay them in food. I think you <laughs> can you know put a put a like a, an all you can eat right. Meal at the Sizzler. Uh, Craft service will basically be enough to get you uh, to out there. Absolutely. By these days, uh, Matt, you mean since the dawn of theater, right? Do you remember the arc with Carl Weathers on Arrested Development? <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> where he gives for the audience, where he gives Carl Weathers, uh, famed actor, action star Carl Weathers from you know Predator and other movies. Um, gives uh, lessons to David Cross's character, Tobias Funke. Um, and all the lessons turn, to, turn out to be how to scam free food from <laughs> parties. And like, yeah. no, 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 you don't, you don't put that. And, and when you're done with those chicken wings, you keep those bones because you take that home. You, you got, got a soup. Go, you got a soup going, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and that was up, uh, Don't fill up on bread. That's a rookie mistake. <laughs> So let's address the basic question about animal practice. Is there a badassery with the promise of more? <laughs> I think it, yes. I think possibly because you could be given birth to live horses on television. That's how, badass. How boring is the thing of the week going to <laughs> Pretty be? Pretty freaking boring unless you like animals. No, I, I don't think it's going to be boring because I predict – you heard it here on the Overthinking Your Podcast. I predict that the thing of the week is going to be that there is a like an exceptionally cruel uh, – like vivisection uh, performed on the monkey every week. <laughs> it's, it's capuchin autopsy factor fiction. Uh, every uh, poor still the monkey. Every week she's going to get vivisected. You know what? It, it's honestly it's better than working with Bradley Cooper. <laughs> uh, Dang. Oh. Dang. At the arrow or arrow. Just Arrow. This Arrow. one TV Guide really likes. This is a Green Arrow show, which if you'd asked me, hey, is this show about the Green Arrow going to be any good? I'd be like, why are you in my house? <laughs> this, this TV Guide review um, begins, this is not your older brother's Oliver Queen. And that just that reminds me of a whole genre of, of hyperbole that you and I, Pete, have talked about as being the, um, the, the television commercials of... of uh, casual dining restaurants like yeah. uh, you've never had shrimp scampi like this before. Yeah, I've I've talked about this in the podcast before because I worked at an Applebee. This isn't your older brother's Oliver Queen. Yeah, yeah exactly. This is your younger sister's Oliver Queen. <laughs> you've never him? had Oriental chicken salad that's quite like this Oriental chicken <laughs> salad, which is like, it's a been slightly thing. different. It's a dangerous statement to make, though, right? Because I've never had oriental chicken salad that's filled with shards of glass in it. It's supposed to be right. ominous. Yeah, exactly. It's like they're yeah. just going to kick you in the face while you're eating it, which is maybe what happened. <laughs> this summer, kick your zest up a few notches of zest. <laughs> Listen, mango lemon pancakes aren't normal, but on zest they are. Zest, not even once. Oh, man. That's a meth. Never mind. One person is laughing at that joke about an anti-meth ad and making pancakes that are pretentious. Anyway, uh, so Oliver Queen is the Green Arrow. Does anyone care uh, about yeah, I the think, Green Arrow? I think we're over three on shows we're going to watch so far. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, this looks like on the upshot, it might be like a Mantis quality show. Did you guys ever watch that? <laughs> I love the Mantis, but the Mantis was not very good. I loved it. No, and no, I, really, no. To me, it looks more like a The Cape quality show. Oh wow, that's some damn. I mean, if they, if they, uh, I don't even know whether this. You've never that. seen I mean, outerwear like this before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've never abated a chill like this before. Okay, so uh, like the arrow, the the character is like this super leftist activist, right? And if if I'm sure the discussion in the boardroom veered towards the whole, hey, let's capitalize on the Occupy movement and just turn that into a superhero show. Because right. people who are camping outside all day in Bryant Park, they're they're going to watch a lot of TV. Were, um, they, were they camping in Bryant Park? Oh, I, I forget which, which did, park they Did they in. not realize that Bryant that is Park. like, you know, 50, 60 blocks north of the financial district? I don't know. Yeah, in my, with the geography not knowing, there you are. But anyway, it's probably not going to be that. It's probably going to be about like the sexy teenager having the sexy action with a bow and arrow. Yeah, I mean, my sister really likes the Teen Wolf show, and she says it's awesome. So maybe it's more for that audience, um, where it's like, oh, it's badass, sort of, but mostly it's about like the the attractive younger dudes that are in it, and like the ladies who like to watch them. It's it's the it's Highlander the series. Right. Oh, no, you, you shut your mouth. That's legendary. <laughs> <laughs> I so love he, Highlander the series. I want to say, you are the only male I know who likes Highlander this year. Any other person... There can said, be only one. <laughs> say in the show. That's the rule. All right? <laughs> Me. So that's the issue that we have, right? Highlander was a documentary. The events were filmed real time. Uh... <laughs> I mean, should we really like? Should we skip the? Because the next one is is Beauty and the Beast, starring as TV Guide says, Kristen Kruick and Kiwi J Ryan, which I think Kristen, means yes. star of Street Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li fame. Oh, okay. Inexplicable number of K's in the leading actor's name. I would like to. I would like, but I don't think. I think that means he's from New Zealand, though. I like to imagine oh, that his his it's actual it. proper it's name is is Kiwi. Kiwi J. Kiwi <laughs> Craig is like, he's the only person in history who would take a porn name that's more like incredible than his actual name. I, I wish um, I wish his name were Robinson so that so that it could be like, uh, you know, uh, Higgledy Piggledy Kiwi J. Robinson. J. Robinson. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like a, he's a crossover star from Australian boxing. Um. <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah, let's just get the CW show. Higgledy, you know, higgledy Piggledy, Kiwi, Kiwi J. Robinson took us his poor name, just Jonathan Smith. <laughs> Jonathan John Jonathan. <laughs> no, no, no you, in the fourth line, you get to go da 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 da. You get to do one. Oh. You get to do uh, four syllables. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, ben and Kate on Fox with. Uh, Oscar winner Jim Rash and uh, Nat Faxon. Kiwi Nat Faxon? Which I guess means that the dean is not going to be on community as much anymore, mm. which is a shame. Chicago Fire from Dick Wolf, another procedural. Dunk, dunk. Elementary. Is this like Chicago Code? The Chicago Fire? Is, did the Chicago Fire Code create a Chicago Fire because they didn't follow the code? <laughs> Never mind. That's yeah. a joke about another TV show that nobody watched. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> uh, Sean Ryan, actually, of Chicago Code Fame, has an, another show this uh, this year. Elementary, which is a, a, another uh, 
Sherlock yeah. Holmes reboot. Right? Thank God. It's been literally minutes since we rebooted Sherlock Holmes. They should they should just buy the rights to play the BBC Sherlock Holmes series. Like their money would be better spent and the audience is better appeased by just. But here, that okay, show. so here's the six degrees of separation thing. Uh, uh-huh. Johnny Johnny Lee Miller, who plays um, Holmes, I think in this one, uh, starred in the National Theater uh, production of Frankenstein with Benedict oh. Cumberbatch. Right, and they, right. they switched roles as Victor Frankenstein and the monster uh, every other night. And um, Benedict Cumberbatch is Sherlock Holmes in yeah. uh, Sherlock, the BBC reboot. And uh, more importantly, Benedict Cumberbatch is a great double dactyl. Oh, Ooh. wow. <laughs> right? Am I right, people? Guys, how are we going to spend the rest of this podcast? <laughs> because Entertaining our core audience, Matt. <laughs> that this is what they want to hear. Uh, Sean Ryan has a new show called The Last Resort that has Andre Brower in it. Um, you know, which is... Of Homicide Life on the Streets fame? Yes. Andre yeah. Brower of Homicide Life on the Streets fame. And uh, Sean Ryan of The Shield and The Chicago Code and Terriers fame. Uh, and it also has Robert Patrick in it. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So what is this? So this is a... What do you get when you cross Crimson Tide and the Rock? Alcatraz is moving underwater. Is that what's happening? Did <laughs> um, <laughs> you mean The Rock, the movie, or Dwayne The Rock Johnson? I was when you said Terriers, I was wondering whether you were talking about the Philadelphia Kennel Club show, and we're going to have uh, Jay Peterman on there talking about the dogs. Uh, but yeah, no, it's um, yeah, it's a renegade submarine crew that goes on the run after defying an order to fire nuclear missiles. That sounds like a show that could run itself into a corner really fast. Right. Exactly. Uh-huh. What do you do? Right. Yeah, they make themselves a nuclear nation at a at a random NATO base. <laughs> yeah, that seems like it could it could be intense. But what are you going to do for a whole season of television? Yeah, uh, much less five or five or seven, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, this the same for what's worth. The same was said about Prison Break, right? I mean, once they break out of the prison, what she got, and apparently the answer is elaborate international conspiracy theory. That's true. Um, I mean, I guess people did still watch that show, right? It went on for a while. Robert, for a Pat- long time, Robert yeah. Patrick, the T one thousand from Terminator Two, the uh, the Colonel from uh, David Mamet and Sean show the unit, and uh-huh. the villain in the direct to video sequel to SWAT, <laughs> SWAT <laughs> Firefight. Wow! You know, I wanted to start that website, right? Wh- that are, are, that are you SWAT or not website? <laughs> Because when, when they came up with SWAT, they're like, you're either SWAT or you're not. And I wanted to start a website where it's like pictures of, of like production stills and still frames from the movie SWAT. And then like other people can submit their pictures and you can rank them as to whether they are SWAT or not. Um, $100 million was the other <laughs> line from that that I remember. I never watched the show. <laughs> or was it a movie? It was a movie. That's right. It was a comedy. It was term. a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of movie stars, looks like Meryl Streep's daughter has a nurse show. Oh, doctor show. It's a medical student show. So it's like one of those. It reminds me of Hawthorne. Do you guys remember Hawthorne? Where the RN was for registered nurse. And yeah, it was, is, uh, is Hawthorne not still, not still on? Oh, is it on? Is people watching it? I, I, I don't keep track of whether these shows actually succeed. Um, <laughs> it, I, thought, I, just, I just keep track of the billboards. So Hawthorne only ran for one season in 2009. Oh, okay, there you go. Oh, wait, no. Wait, maybe it did keep running. IMDb has changed its formatting. 
Uh, no, it ran through 2011. It's still running. Huh, interesting. So they've had at least... You heard it here first, people. <laughs> well, because, I mean, that's a show where it's like, it's the kind of procedural that people like to, like to watch, and it's got a female star who's going to draw people in, and big name is kind of a big deal, you know, like... It's a, it's, a, it's a distinguisher, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, something that's going to um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like a brand differentiator, right? Um, and having Meryl Streep's daughter, like that's kind of a big deal, right? Like uh, she, she almost, if she's any good, right? Like no, it, I don't she know. is. I mean, she's already done a lot of TV. Uh, uh, Mamie Gummer, actually Grace Gummer, also a uh, different daughter that is um, uh, has done a bunch of TV too. Yeah, I mean, my mom loved the show Providence. Uh, my sisters love to watch that with her too, and so I think. Do you guys ever watch that show? It was a, a medical procedural where the the main the star was a woman who had been kind of I think a plastic surgeon or something kind of high flying out in L.A. and had come home to Providence after the death of her mom and become kind of like a kind of like a local doctor. Um, so straight up procedural. It, it, it pioneered. It, it did what I consider to be pioneered the six feet under convention of having dead characters who just appear as regular people, just sort of talking to the main character as a sort of pseudo hallucination in a way that's like very very similar to what happened in Six Feet Under, because um, the mother would come back and have conversations with her daughter, and it wasn't sort of highway to heavenish in the way that it happened, right? Like it was very much like just sort of everyday kind of stuff. Hmm. But yeah, but that show was, was you know, it, it caught people's attention, and there's an audience for that stuff, so there might be an audience for this one. If I had to pick a dark horse from this list, it would be Emily Owens, MD, on the CW. Oh, CW, that hurts it, doesn't it? Because are people going to know to look on the CW to find it? Uh, never mind. Yeah, it, it's no Maybe guys with, it's guys with kids with Anthony Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I don't. It's no gossip, girl. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but then again, what is? Well, I think we should leave our conversation there. So if you want to join the, <laughs> uh, if you want to join the the fall TV preview, you can uh, uh, email podcast overthinking. I, I I don't sound enthusiastic about any of these options, do I? There's yeah. kind of a. Um, is it because of the subject matter? I mean, let's just quickly say, like, is it because these TV shows are just not exciting and we don't want to watch any of them? Yeah, I, look, I think that, like, I, I think that network TV is is not where the action is right now, A. I think the idea of a fall TV season is sort of trumped up now that, sort of new, way, yeah, yeah. N- now that new interesting shows are um, uh, sort of exist year-round, and... And, or sort of are introduced year round on the the pay networks and on basic cable, and I think also that like the um, there's so much good TV on Netflix. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That like you know I, like I I don't need you can watch the whole, you can watch the whole Twilight Zone on Netflix. Yeah, it's crazy. I I don't need and, and I have in this media environment. I don't need new shows. <laughs> you know. I, no, I'm. I mean, if I'm they, serious. I if, kind of don't. If, I, if there were only Netflix, Dianu. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, when when Hulu was still relatively free, it had all sorts of great stuff on it, and the only thing that I watched on it was Highlander the series. So what do I know? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that, and like Naruto Shippuden. Um, but that was something else that I was watching at the time. That I don't watch so much anymore. But. Uh, so uh, if you want to, if you want to, do you need new shows? I don't know. Tell us. Email us at podcastedoverthinkingit.com. I mean, I mean to sound more excited about these things. Email us at podcastedoverthinkingit.com. Yeah. Call two zero three two eight five six four zero one. Call or text. 
Uh, the text sometimes we read on the show. The voicemails, not so much. So we're going to get to that <laughs> one of these days. Uh, or, you know, do the... Um, phrase, like, if you would, if you are a casting agent and you would like to cast Matthew Rather in one of the new fall shows, <laughs> then new fall shows are the greatest thing in the history then, of then, Yeah, then, then you can find me uh, at a kid's birthday party... You know, <laughs> playing the uh, you know playing the the public the, domain uh, analog of the um, oh, never mind. Yeah. Or, or, uh, you're gonna be, you're gonna be doing like a street theater of the Last of the Mohicans because no one owns the rights to it. Is that what it is? <laughs> just just do Mulan. Disney's not going to sue over Mulan. They don't yeah. care. Matt Rather's Legend of Sleepy Hollow <laughs> coming out this October. So the uh, yes, you can leave a, a comment on the show notes for this episode where we always have good uh, where we always have good conversations. Uh, just a um, just let me plug something that's coming up tomorrow. I'm going to be on the Geek Agenda podcast with um, with a listener who was at the sorry with geeks. Well, yeah, with with another uh, another geek, Tom Bowers, who was at the uh, London Overthinking It meetup, um, and, though he is an American, and we record this, we're going to record this podcast live in Los Angeles. Uh, he w- happened to be traveling; he happened to be on vacation in London when the meetup happened, and came to the to the London meetup as an American. So I, I did not feel so. Alone, um, <laughs> but Tom also has a band called Sons of Nothing, and they have sampled bits of the Overthinking It podcast and included it in one of their songs. Uh, so I'm going to be on this podcast tomorrow. It will be, I think, broadcast live, uh, 7 p.m. It'll be a uh, September 17th uh, at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, 2012. So if you're interested, you can see that. Uh, anyone else want to uh, plug something? Pete is on um, on Twitter at Fenzelian and is a yeah. very good is a very good guy to uh, follow on Twitter. And Dave, I'm also yeah, go ahead. And Dave's latest peer reviewed article made the cover of Science. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it did. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. No. Well, no. But, oh, it did. Uh, let's. I, I'll, I no. Sadly, I've never been on the cover of any of the journals I've published in. But I have appeared on the cover of several textbooks, so like it almost makes up for it. Really? I said that more than makes up for it. Did you play? Do you play the person holding the vegetables? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Beets. <laughs> study guide. Modern beetology. Yeah, no, I, I, that's right. I'm, I'm not on the textbook. I'm on the cover of the study guide for the textbook. <laughs> no, are you really on the cover of textbooks? Though that's awesome. Yeah, my my visage is not. My work is. Still, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, no, like the, I'm, so like I'm the crystallography pictures and stuff. Yeah, yeah. If you guys look at uh, the current edition of what used to be called the RNA World, which in its latest edition is called RNA Worlds, um, so as to cover the possibility that Uatu, the Watcher, will come and tell us about RNA on different universes, um, <laughs> then uh, then you'll see like my crystal structure, my, my PhD work appears on the cover. One of one of many crystal structures there, but still, boom. Justice League style, I am Aquaman to the rest of their better superheroes. So until next week's episode of Overthunk Podcast Rumination, you can find us on the web at www.overthinkingit.com, the site where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it It probably doesn't deserve.
Higgledy-piggledy Benedict Cumberbatch stars an atypical Hollywood fair, launched from the stage into J.J.'s kinetic and unroddenbarian final frontier. Hey, while we were podcasting, one of my friends sent me a trivia question. And I want to see if you guys can answer this without checking Google. I have not checked Google. I don't know what the answer is. Whose first book was The Corpse Danced at Midnight? Wow. Maybe we'll just let that roll and see if anybody who's listening to the podcast can get that question without was, Googling it. You, you, on, yeah, on your honor. On your yeah. honor. No Googling. We could, we could Bill and Ted this and just like say, hey, when we later publish a book, we'll call it the – what was it called? The Corpse Danced at Midnight. Yeah, The Corpse Danced at Midnight. And then the answer is mine. Dave Schechner's first book was called that. Boom. (laughs) Next question. (laughs) 